this is Palm Sunday, and so, you know, this and Easter, you kind of, the, the calendar kind of dictates what you speak on. And so, uh, after you've done this 25 years here, uh, you've pretty much gone through Palm Sunday quite a bit, uh, 25 times, and Easter 25 times, and of course, the stories never get old, but trying to find a... a uh, a fresh way to present it so that you remember it sometimes becomes a, a challenge when you've been in the same place for a long time. Uh, so uh, this morning we're going to focus a little bit on Palm Sunday, but we're going to focus on a unique aspect of it that sometimes I think we miss. And next week, uh, Easter Sunday, we're going to talk about the resurrection, but uh, more importantly, we're going to talk about the clothes that Jesus wore and how they tell the Easter story. So, uh, you can just think about that one for a while. Uh, and yes, trust me, we will get there. Uh, we'll get there. So, uh, that's where we're headed. This morning, we're going to talk about Palm Sunday. And you should know that that story of Jesus entering in, starting the week of Easter that we know of, uh, is mentioned in all four Gospels. And, and, and that's significant, because anytime something's mentioned in all four of the Gospels, it's, it's of particular importance because every gospel presents a different aspect of Jesus. So when all four of them are talking about something, then what that means is that that aspect of Jesus, so to speak, um, is portrayed uh, four different ways in the same story. So that it, it takes on some significant meaning. Anytime you see one of the events of Christ mentioned in all four gospels, all right? And this is one of those, Palm Sunday. Everybody puts a little bit different spin on it. And so different people emphasizing different things. Matthew is, is talking about presenting Jesus as king. So, so it talks about the kingly aspect. And Mark's presenting him as servant. Um, John presents him as the son of man. So he gives us some, or the son of God. So he gives us some unique insight here. Um, and then Luke is the son of man. So we, we see those different aspects. So when Luke talks about the story, Luke talks about Jesus weeping because he's portraying Jesus as a man. When John portrays it, he portrays it in a unique way, and John really minimizes the Palm Sunday story. And, and so that's where we're going to focus this morning because it's going to be a little bit different spin, but just trust me and you'll, you'll see how it all uh, fits together. So John chapter 12 is... Uh, is the story. I'm going to read part of it, and then we're going to talk about it, and then I'll read the other part, and we'll talk about it. So uh, he says, John chapter 12, on the next day, much people were come to the feast. Now, this is uh, the feast of Passover. Um, so all the males uh, have to head there. This is a, an annual pilgrimage, one of three that every Jewish male would make. Uh, the city would just think of this as the, uh, our modern-day equivalent would be the Super Bowl. You know how when when the, the city hosts the Super Bowl and everybody comes into the city for it, that's Passover, okay? That's Pentecost. Those are, those are feast days that everybody just swarmed into the city for. And it says, so on the, uh, much people were come to the feast. So the Passover's at the end of the week, so they come rolling in there, um, and, and this starts uh, the events of that week. And notice what it says. When they heard... Uh, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, now, a little context here, the raising of Lazarus from the tomb, this had just happened not far away. And that story was starting to circulate. 
And then all of a sudden, now Jesus is heading to Jerusalem. Well, people are like, oh, hey, look, we got to go see this guy. And it says they took branches of palm trees, went forth to meet him, and cried, Hosanna, uh, which means save us. Um, Blessed is the name, uh, is the king of Israel that comes in the name of the Lord. Now, if you're a Roman and you're in charge of, of this group and people start talking kings, you get really nervous. And when people start having, in essence, a parade and start worshiping and bowing down and, and giving attention to, you get really, really nervous. And if you're a Jewish person who, um, you're in the, in the leadership, the religious leadership, and the focus is supposed to be Passover, and instead the focus is some guy who's coming into town, and everybody's talking about him, you get really, really, really nervous. Um, because all of those are threats to your little system that you have set up. So Rome's on edge. The Jewish people are on edge. The people are waving palm fronds and, and talking about Jesus and shouting Hosanna and talking about a king, and, and this is gathering some attention, right? Um, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, the king comes, sitting on an ass's colt. This is um, actually a, a fulfillment of prophecy that the Old Testament had talked about. Um, the kings of Rome came in on horses um, as a sign of, of, of victory, of power, um, the, 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 the donkey or the, the ass was a, 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 an animal of peace. So the fact that he's coming in again, it's, it's, almost, it's almost a joke, honestly. Okay? I mean, to the Roman soldiers, this was a joke. I mean, when Rome came into town, there were flags and there was trumpets and there were horses and there was gold and there was all the fancy stuff on the horses and all the fancy garments and all of that. And their king, the king of the Jews, is sitting on a donkey. And people are cutting down palm fronds, you know, sticks and twigs and waving them. Uh, so you can understand Rome's kind of looking at it like, yeah, well, this is their version. But notice what it goes on to say, verse 16 um, says, now, these things understood not his disciples at first. So the disciples now are confused because they're going, what is this all about? I mean, this is a guy who we have watched for the last three years, and anytime he did a miracle, he told, somebody, he told people, look, don't go tell anybody about this. This is a guy who every time we tried to push him to the front, went to the back. This is a guy who every time we said, look, we, we need to be telling people about this or we're bringing people to you, he, he, he goes to the background. And now all of a sudden he's wanting the attention. We don't get this. Because, notice what it says, but when Jesus was glorified, he remembered that the things which were written of him and the things these people had done. Afterwards, at the resurrection, that all of a sudden they start putting the pieces together. They go, oh, that's what this was about. At this point, they don't get it. So the people, therefore, uh, that were with him when he called Lazarus out of the grave, raised him from the dead, bear record. For this cause the people also met him, for they heard that he had done this miracle. The Pharisees, therefore, said among themselves, Perceive ye how we prevail nothing? Behold, the world's gone after him. So you see all these different responses to Jesus doing this. Okay? You see the disciples are confused. You see Rome is, is, doesn't know what to think. On one hand, they want to mock it. On the other hand, they see it as a threat. You see um, the Pharisees going, look, we're, we're, we're sunk. 
There's nothing we can do here. Look at all the people that are following after him. And you have all these different responses to this story of Jesus being glorified. And then later, the disciples are able to put all the pieces together and go, hey, this, and this is what's important for us, this was a turning point. Up until now, Jesus has been in the background. Up until now, Jesus has done his thing and tried to impact people, and he stayed out of Jerusalem, and he stayed out of getting all the attention focused on him, but now it all changes. Now all of a sudden, Jesus is going to be front and center. And for this entire week, Jesus is going to be front and center. And so that is a turning point in the ministry of Jesus. And so here's the other thing to remember. These people are looking for a political savior. They're they're not looking, many of them are not looking for a a spiritual leader. They're looking for somebody who's going to deliver them from the oppression of Rome. And some of these very same people, once they realize that Jesus is going to do that, within four or five days you're going to be crying, crucify him, give us Barabbas. We don't want anything to do with this guy. It's going to change that dramatically within this short four or five days. So as you look at this story, that's the whole scenario that's being played out. Okay? Now, here's what's unique. John tells you this, and, and Luke and the other writers, they, they add all of this other stuff in. You know, Luke talks about the idea that as Jesus is walking, he stops and he weeps, and, and, and you see the, the compassion of Jesus, and you see all these things. But John tells you this story, and then notice what he's going to go on to say. Look at, listen to the next passage that he jumps into. He jumps into this crazy story, and notice what he says in verse uh, 20. Uh, now, so in other words, you, you get all of it, all the hoopla. Now, there were certain Greeks among those who came to worship at the feast. And then they came to Philip, who was from Bethesda of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. So Greeks come up, and they come up to Philip. Now, that, that's, or, uh, they come up to Philip, and that's normal because Philip was the Greek disciple. He was the one that was the Greek out of the disciple. He was the odd duck. And so they come to a fellow Greek, and they say, hey, we want to go see Jesus. Now, here's a problem. Everybody wants to see Jesus, don't they? Everybody's trying to flock to Jesus. And so Philip doesn't know what to do. So Philip goes to Andrew, and he goes, hey, Andrew, I got some of these guys over here, these Greek, they want to see Jesus. What do we do? How do we handle that? And Andrew says, notice what happens, and Andrew, then Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. So he says, I don't know what to do. Let's go to Jesus and talk to him about it. So they go to Jesus, and they say, okay, these guys want to talk to you. Notice what happens next, verse 23. But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. So he looks at them and says, look, guys, um, right now, this is a turning point in my ministry. And now the Son of Man is about to be glorified. And then Jesus goes into this bizarre story that when you first read it, it doesn't look like it makes any sense. But it makes perfect sense. And here's what he says. I say unto you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. So now, I want, I want, you've got to understand this. Okay, we, we lose this when we listen to these stories. 
Greek guys come up and say, hey, Philip, we need to talk to Jesus. We want to see, you know, we, we want to go talk to Jesus. And Philip goes, well, guys, look, you know, he's really busy, not quite sure what. Andrew, look, I got a couple of guys over here. They want to go talk to Jesus. And Andrew goes, well, you know, he's kind of busy. There's a lot going on right now. It's, I mean, it's a whole week of Passover, and we've got a lot of stuff to go. I don't, let's go see Jesus. Hey, Jesus, these guys want to come to talk to you, and they would like to spend time with you. And Jesus said, well, um, the hour's coming. It's the Son of Man must be glorified. Let's talk about farming. <laughs> it just doesn't seem like a fit. I mean, what about, let's talk about the palm fronds that are being waved. Let's talk about the Hosanna being shouted. Let's talk about all of the things that we talk about on Palm Sunday. Let's not talk about farming. But Jesus says, no. The hour is coming at the Son of Man. And he says, if a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. For where I am, there my servant will be. And if anyone serves me, him my Father will honor. In essence, Jesus says, these guys really want to talk to me? Let me tell you how that's going to have to happen. These guys really want to see me? These guys really want to understand me? These guys really want to know what I'm all about? Because Jesus, Jesus always knew the questions before they asked the question. And so Jesus says, look, you really want to find out what I'm all about? Let me talk to you about farming. Let me talk to you about the process by which life comes from death. Let me talk to you about the fact that in order for them to really see me, i got to go die first. And if they really want to see me after I come out of the tomb, they're going to have to die to themselves. You want to know what this whole hoopla is all about? It's not about the palm front. It's not about the Hosanna Savas. It's about death. And it's about life that comes from death. That's what this whole thing's about, guys. If they really want to see me, they got to understand that. And so Jesus takes this incredible event and turns it, so to speak, to be about death. And about his death in particular, and about their death in, in, in the application of it to really understand it. So that's how this whole thing starts. So he goes through this whole deal about it, and he says, look, you need to understand that it's really about my death. Why? Because here's what's going to happen. By the end of the week, Jesus is going to be hanging on a cross. And by the end of the week, they're going to watch him die. We've been talking about the we've been talking about the early church. Remember the early church? What was the focus? You killed him. God raised him from the dead. It was about the fact that he actually died. And Jesus tells them this story for them to understand the importance of this week about the death of Jesus. Christ, because life comes from death. Now, we know that, but we don't know that. Okay? Think about that. Think about it for a minute. You're watching guys go into the fields right now. And you're watching all the guys that, that have seed corn, seed businesses. You're watching all the stuff get loaded into their, into their 
sheds and warehouses and all that, and you're watching guys go over, and you're driving down the road, and you see trucks with, you know, I mean, in the old days, it was bags of seed. Now they have these hopper thingies um, that they, they load in there. And you watch, you watch as they load up those things, and you're watching everybody get the ground ready now. And what are they going to do? They're going to put a seed in the ground. Somebody had some this morning. It was awesome. I thought, I want some of these. Um, it's actually popcorn. But they're going to take these little things. I shouldn't get into this stuff, but I am. This is actually popcorn. But let's say it was regular corn, like feed corn that goes out there. Okay, uh, One seed. Okay, so tell me the process. When this thing grows, how many ears will you probably get off of it? And don't exaggerate like you're a fisherman. Okay, how many, how many ears of corn will you get on it? Huh? One? One, maybe two. Yeah, two if you're a fisherman. Um, you know, one. Uh, now, here's a question. How many kernels typically will be on a full ear? Anybody know? I got no clue. I'm not asking because I know this. Um, I got no clue. Hundreds? 200. Huh? 200? Okay. Unless you're a fisherman. That's 400. Uh, so you got now, now wait a minute. One of these produces, let's say, 200. Maybe a really good 400. But in order for that to happen, it has to die. It has to die. And if it doesn't die, it's not going to produce anything. Um, we had some friends gave us this. It's been sitting on my desk, uh, or it's been sitting on my counter. Um, these are Texas blue bonnets. Some of our Texas friends sent us some Texas blue bonnets, okay? Um, some of the other people that got these have already planted them. I, on the other hand, still have mine on package. Now, if I keep them in the package, what happens? I can enjoy them. I just get up every day and look at the picture and go, oh, those are Texas blue bonnets. But if I really want them to see them, I've got to plant them. I've got to put them in dirt, cold, dark, damp dirt, in order for them to die so that they can produce. And I happen to know that if you do that with these and you, keep, and, and you don't get too bad a winter up here, they do really well in Texas, they go to seed and what happens? They produce more. And then they go to seed, and they produce more, and it continues the cycle. That's what he's saying. Jesus stops, and he says, okay, look, these guys really want to see me? Then what they need to understand is in order to see me, I've got to go die this week, guys. I've got to die so that life can come from my death. I've got to die so that there's a resurrection. I've got to die so they can come to understand that if they want to follow me, they can't follow me their way. They've got to do it my way. They have to die to their ways, to their plans, to their ideas, and they have to follow it and do it my way. And that's what he goes on to say. He says, he who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. He said, you know what? He said, you've got to make a decision between what's more important, this world or the world to come. Because you see, if you want to live it all for this world, okay, but you're going to lose your life. If you want to invest your life in something that's that, that, then, and you decide that, you know what, this world is not important to me, I'm going to put my faith and trust in Christ alone, and I'm going to live for a world to come. Now, you'll understand and you'll gain life. You'll understand what. See, see we have this idea that eternal life is, is like a plane ticket. Where it's like, okay, I'm going to put my faith and trust in Jesus, and I'm going to get a plane ticket so that when I die, I fly to heaven. 
Jesus taught that salvation, putting your faith and trust in Christ, is a lifestyle change. That you start to live in this temporary world with eternal values. That you get eternal life now in the sense that it is a different kind of life. You live a different way. And that's what he's talking about here. And that's what Jesus tried to explain to these guys. He's saying, look, they, they, they want to really see me? Then they're going to have to do things completely differently. They're going to have to change completely their whole attitude and mindset. I'm not somebody just to check out. I'm somebody that if you want to follow me, you're really going to have to follow me. And it's going to, be, it's going to cost you, too. Um, and he ends by this by saying, if anyone serves him, let him follow me. That where I am, my servant will be also, if anyone serves me, him will my father honor. Um, and then and that's how he ends this passage. And he goes into, into the, the next story. Here's some things for us that I think for us to wrestle with a little bit this morning as we go. And here, here's the first. The idea is this idea of death, that life comes from death, is a key concept for the whole Christian story. And you've got to understand that. You have to understand that tomorrow, next week we celebrate the fact that we serve a risen Savior, that he conquered death. But you have to understand that death is an essential part of this because he tells us that we have to die to ourselves in order to put our faith and trust in him. Um, here's, listen to what Tozer said, A.W. Tozer. He was a, preacher from, a great preacher from a number of decades ago. Here's what he says. The cross is the symbol of death. It stands for the abrupt, violent end of the human being. The man in Roman times who took up his cross and started down the road had already said goodbye to his friends. He was not coming back. He was not going out to have his life redirected. He was going out to have his life ended. The cross made no compromise, modified nothing, spared nothing. It slew all of the man completely and for good. It did not try to keep up on good terms with its victim. It struck swift and hard, and when it had finished its work, the man was no more. That evangelism, which draws friendly parallels between the ways of God and the ways of man, is false to the Bible and is cruel to the soul of the hearers. The faith of Christ does not parallel the world. See, there are people that tell you that, you know what, you can be a friend of the world and a friend of God, and you can just bring the two of them together. No, 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 that's not the gospel. Tozer goes on to say this, the faith of Christ doesn't parallel the world, it intersects it. In coming to Christ, we don't bring our life up to a higher plane, we leave it at the cross. The grain of wheat must fall into the ground and die. That is the beginning of the gospel. You see, when I put my faith and trust in Christ, do you know what I'm saying? I'm saying, look, God, my way, I can't earn my way to heaven. I can't get my way to heaven. There's nothing I can do. I am totally, totally surrendering my way of doing anything to you. And I'm putting my total faith and trust in you and you alone for my eternal life. That's salvation. That's that's, that's the gospel in a nutshell, is the fact that that's what we do. But we have been sold a bill of goods to say, you know, it's just about cleaning up your life and polishing stuff up. 
It's, it, it, it's this thing where, you know, we kind of like, uh, we live in the world and, and, and like the world and, and try to be like the world. No, 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 it is, it is a complete intersection. It is a complete opposite. It is a complete different way of living. And here's the thing. That's how we come to Christ. Okay? You know how we live as a Christian? The same way. We get up every day and we die to our way of doing it. We die to the way we think it should be done. And instead we say, what does God say? Okay, that's what I need to do. That's what we forget. We forget that. We start to focus on what we want. We start to focus on our life. Let's talk about marriage. How does that play out in my marriage? I get up, and my idea is not, what can I do for me today? My idea is, God... How do you want me to treat my wife today? What, what do you want me to do to make her day better? See, it's not about me. It's about serving God by serving others. It's about that employee that you work with who tomorrow morning is going to get on your nerves. That employee who's going to push all of your buttons. And you want to tell them off. But dying to self as a Christian means, you know what? God says to be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. I'm going to be kind to them. You go, PJ, you have no idea. No, no, no. Here's what I do know. I do know that on your own you can't do it. That's why you die to yourself and you say, God, you've got to help me here because I want to kill them. And Lord, if you put me in a room with them, I probably will. So you're going to have to help me here, Lord. It means that in every aspect of our lives, we don't make it about us. Because you see, our life, our, our, we are dead to ourselves. We are alive unto God. That's what Paul says. And I think so many times we forget that and we become, so, because again, we're in a culture where, let me tell you something, it is all about you. Everything in our culture is geared to you. I mean, come on. McDonald's now has two places to order because in the drive-thru, one wasn't fast enough. So now I get to pull up and choose which one has less you know how this works? You choose which one has the fewer cars, and that's the slower lane. You know how that works? But we're in a world which everything is catering. Shopping. If you don't know me, I'm an online person. If I can buy it online, I buy it online. Because I go click, click, click. Um, my UPS guy and I, Randy and I, we, we're developing a really good relationship. Um, we are. It's hilarious. You know, we, he stopped. We, we talk now, you know. Um, I know what's going on in his life. We're Facebook friends. He knows what's going on in my life. Um, it, 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 you know, it's funny. Uh, it, yeah, that's a whole other thing, you know. Uh, he had a rash the other day, you know, so we stood out talking about his rash. Um, uh, you know, because I like that. I like that quick. I like that fast thing. And, 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 it's, and the reality of it is about me. It's about making it fast and easy for me. And, and we're, we're in that kind of world it's not about other people. And, and, and we, we have very little patience for things that aren't, don't go our way, you know. 
And God has a way of, of ringing your bell in that. I had that this week. Um, I had Thursday. I had, I had four hours planned. For, and if I did it all right, I could get everything done in that four hours, running around. Um, and it was one of those things where God went, no. It's not going to happen like that. And I mean, I'm telling you, you want to talk about, now remember, I'm an online order guy. And, and we decided to put two more windows in the new building. Uh, whatever. So I went and had to order them. Long story short, okay, um, the first time I went to order them, the guy who was filling out the order had never done it before. And he was an older guy, and he wasn't real good on computers. So I, who am sitting here going, click that, uh, let's go to here now. I'm sitting there. It took us like an hour and a half to get the windows ordered. And when he finally got them printed out, he said, I hope you get them. <laughs> well, and so I got them, and they were all right. And so I thought, okay, this is an easy deal. I go, I ask for, to bring up our old order, make a copy of it, change it from six windows to two windows. I know we don't have to go through all that over again. So I go to the desk to get, to get these windows, and I'm thinking, all right, great. And guess who the salesman guy is? The same guy. And I'm thinking, well, you know, it's been like a month. He's had a month in this system now. And he goes, I got no idea how to do that. We sat there for an hour. What should have taken me like 15 minutes. We sat there for an hour. Finally, he said, look, I don't know how to do this. He said, we're not going to. He said, can you come back? Oh, yeah, that's on my agenda. And I said, yeah, I can come. I said, I got to go somewhere right now. So I can get to my next deal. I said, and then I'll come back. And he said, well, by then, he said, I'll have talked to so-and-so and figured it out. And so, so I come back. And he gets, well, he's not there. They have to page him. They get him. And his buddy comes over, the new guy, the other guy who's in charge of kind of the department thing and transfer. Anyway, so he gets it. And then, and then we get through it. And the guy says, okay. This helper gets, says, okay, I'm done. He walks away. Guy goes, print. There's no paper in the printer. <laughs> the paper, he's got to go all the way down the store, all the way back. It took him another 10 minutes. And I am sitting there in my online ordering world going click, 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 click. The next deal was to pick up two pictures from Sam's to put back there for the missions thing. I had to go back to Sam's two hours after I was there the first time, okay? And it's like God is going, you, first of all, God, <laughs> here's how bad it was. I ordered a book to read over the vacation, a holiday here. It's called The Unhurried Life, okay? <laughs> um, <laughs> my goal is to read that book this week. Uh, I'm in a hurry to get it done. No, uh, <laughs> But, I mean, I say that because here's the thing. This is what I'm trying to get. God is, is trying to get me to slow down and realize, look, it's not about your schedule, your world, your pace, your stuff. It's bigger than that. It's about me wanting to use you. And then, and, and here's the thing. I was incredibly patient with this guy. Incredibly patient. And when he goes to print out the order, I forget. You know what we called the order in the, in the label thing, church. 
And he sits there, and as I go, he goes, thank you for being incredibly patient and helping me with this. And it was like, well, I didn't want to tell him, no, you don't understand. This was a God thing, because I would have chewed you out from the day one if I had. But it, was, it was one of those things where it's like, okay, Lord, you've got you to gotta, you gotta help me to do it your way, not my way. These guys wanted to see Jesus, and they had to understand that, you know what? If you really want to see Jesus, it's about doing it his way, not your way. The first deal is you have to put your faith and trust in him as a Christian. And for some of you who haven't done that, and I, I'm here to tell you, you want me, here, here, let me illustrate it for you. Here it is. This is your world. You're the seeds that are sitting in my thing. These have all the potential in the world to become incredibly beautiful blue bonnets. And remind me of Texas and my dad and my friends and all the things that, that come with it. But not until, I, not until I plant them, not until they die, not until life comes back from them. Until then, they're in the package. Jesus offers you eternal life, but you have to put your faith and trust in him. For those of you who are Christians, you know what the incredible thing about these is? Once I have planted them once, they will continue to produce fruit. And they will continue to grow more and more and more and more and more. But in order for that to happen each season, stuff has to die so that stuff can come back from it. And your Christian life is no different. For you to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow means that every day you've got to get up and make some of those kinds of decisions. Um, Max Lucado writes this, and I thought this was a great, a great reminder for us. Here's what he says. Um, history, talking about this whole week, Easter, cross, all that stuff. History has idolized it and despised it, gold-plated it and burned it, worn it down and trashed it. History's done everything to it, but ignore it. That's the one option the cross doesn't offer. No one can ignore it. You can't ignore a piece of lumber that suspends the greatest claim in history. A crucified carpenter claiming that he is God on earth, divine, eternal, the death slayer, the conqueror of death. There's something about the crucifixion, he continues, that made every witness either step toward it or turn away from it. It's simultaneously compelled and repelled. And 2,000 years later, the same is true. It's the watershed. It's the continental divide. It's the Normandy. And you're either on one side or the other. A choice is demanded. No fence-sitting is permitted. The cross, in its absurd splendor, doesn't allow you that. You have to choose a side. And if you're here this morning, you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, we want to encourage you to choose Christ. Die to the way you think you can get to heaven and trust Christ as the only way to heaven. For those of you who are believers, we want to challenge you this morning. Make sure that you haven't taken a step to say, Lord, I'm going to surrender to your way, and I'm going to put my faith and trust in you, and then come back to life and say, now, Lord, I'm going to live it my way. That's not the Christianity of the Bible. And those things that you have wrapped around and said, I'm going to do this my way, step back and say, Lord, how is it that you want me to live it and what do I need to do in your way to honor you and live that way? As spouses, as parents, as grandparents, as friends, as employees, as employers, 
There's people in your community, people in your neighborhood. May people see Christ in us. So I end with this. In this story, two men are asked a simple question. They really wanted to see Jesus. And Jesus explained that in order to really see him, they would have to die to themselves. He explained that life comes from death. The core concept of Christianity lies in the fact that we have to die to ourselves and choose Christ alone. Let's make sure we made that choice. And for those of us who are Christians, let's make sure we make that choice daily in living for Christ and not ourselves. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Guide us. Direct us. Or it's easy in our life, in our world, to wrap it around the things that we want to do and the way we want to do things. Lord, thank you for this season. Thank you for this day of palms and celebration and, Lord, the fact that we need a Savior. But Lord, help us to understand that it's really about life coming from your death. And uh, use us. Don't let us be alive to ourselves this week. Help us to put our faith and trust in you and to trust you in the way we live each day as well. These things we ask in your name. Amen.